in the end, the first and the last. You was, you will be, and you come again. Lord, you are coming back. You told us to occupy till you come. But we are focused on your, your return. But until you come back, we will preach the gospel. The gospel that saves. The gospel that heals. The gospel that delivers us. The gospel of light. We thank you, Father, for you are the light of the world. The great I am. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain. He's a living God, not a dead God. We serve a living God, amen? We don't serve dead religion, dead traditions, dead works. We serve a living God, living and breathing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, he forgave us. Today, He forgives us. And tomorrow, He will forgive us. Amen? Yesterday, He died for us. Today, He empowers us. And tomorrow, He takes us to our vision, to our glory, to our destination. But He needs to get all the glory. Altars have to fall in our heart in order for the Spirit to move. Whatever we perceive, whatever we think is right, has to come down. He is right. He is true doctrine. He is true theology. He is all. As we sing this again, just let's bring down the altars of our hearts that would build up monuments. We don't, God doesn't serve us. We serve Him. And as a secondary consequence of us serving Him, we get all the benefits of the kingdom. Amen. So as we worship Him again, let's reach out and touch Him. I was talking to someone the other day about what's happening in the world and and revelations, you're talking about revelations, it's the time of revelations and the tribulation and all that. And I said, brother, if all you can see is tribulation, if all you can see is the Antichrist coming, if all you can see is the one we're all to cover, brother, you've missed it because revelations is about Jesus. It's the testimony of Jesus. So you can see what the enemy's doing. But put the magnifying glass on what Jesus has already done. Because we win, amen. So let's look at him, the lover of our soul. We give you
in our lives and thank you that you will complete it. Thank you, Father, that you have not lost control. Thank you, Father, that you call us by name. We are sons and daughters, not slaves. Not, we're not set out, we're set apart. Thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit, the teacher. Declare Jesus Lord over this meeting. Jesus Lord over our hearts and minds. Lord means that it's a lordship. It's like a king and, and he's a lord over a city, over a, a town, over a country. And we submit to their lordship, to his lordship. Well, Jesus is our lord. His beauty and his majesty he shares. He's not a corrupt king. He's not a violent king. He's the lover of our soul. He gave his life for us. In him, we live and move and have our being. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. When the waves of this world, when the waves of the enemy come and they knock you down, get back up. Holy Spirit will always guide you into truth. See how he sees. Let us confess that we know him and have been taught by him. Holy Spirit is he's leading us into a place of surrender. Tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will have a deeper understanding about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. There's a lot of teaching coming out of here. A lot of it's deep, a lot of it is it's not so much fun, and it's not so much... But it's, it's necessary for these last days. It's necessary to, to fulfill the call of God. It's necessary for us to, to live in that place of overcoming. Sometimes we can eat the word and just keep eating, but never have any benefit of what we've been eating. We get fat and we get choked up on a lot of the word, but we don't let the substance of the word, don't let the nutrition of the word manifest. And sometimes we're looking for the next best thing, but we need to ponder and we need to sit and understand what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. If there's anyone, the most misunderstood person would be the Holy Spirit. 
is a person that's been mistreated. It's the Holy Spirit. Someone's been put in a box and told to sit aside and let us do what we want is the Holy Spirit. But we allow him to flow, amen. We get to participate in what God's doing on this earth. We don't dictate to God what we're doing on this earth. It's time for the those who worship, worship in spirit and in truth. Step out into his presence. everyone's spirit to attention to hear what the spirit of grace has to say. We uh, declare the flesh dead. Let your word fly by. Let your word fly by. Holy, holy is his name. Because one thing we've lost in the western world is reverence. Understand how to reveal when the Holy Spirit moves. refreshing some people here tonight. He's just filling you up. Some of you are running on empty. And he's filling you up. Drink from the world that never runs strong.
I'll lift our hands. I just want to pray for our uncle who's just been taken into ICU. He's struggling to breathe. And we come into an agreement because who believes prayer works? Who believes prayer works? His word does not return void. We come into agreement when there's two and three gathered. He's in the midst of us. So, Father, I thank you tonight. Uncle Habib, Lord, we declare right now in that ICU, in that hospital, that your spirit is all upon him, that you would touch him now, that his lungs would be healed, that his breathing will come back. Lord, will be moved. Thank you for the miracle of your hand is upon him, Father. Thank you that by your stripes he is healed. We thank you, Father, that your, your, your wind of your revelation of your healing power Touch him in that. Father, I thank you for his kidneys and, and everything to come back into order. He will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Let him have visions and dreams of you right now. We stand firm and your word is true. Every negative thought that comes in, every word spoken, we ask you to fall to the ground because the truth is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over his mind, his heart, his body. We lift him up in heavenly places. We declare him totally healed in Jesus' name. Because your word says, ask the Father, and he shall grant it to you. We thank you, Father. We stand on your word, because your word is true. And we give you thanks right now. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. 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 You can be seated. To be totally honest, I could have went like that all night. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does what he wants. Let there be light. Welcome. It's an honor to be with you tonight. Can I ask for a favor, someone? Get me some water. Alex has got it, thanks. Alex is going to get it, yeah. So, excuse my throat, please. Um, I was whispering all weekend, and that's why I lost my voice. You're doing good. So everyone's dead here. Let me pray for everyone to wake up. We all doing good here? Awesome. Hallelujah. You know, one of my favorite subjects is talking about the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Jim. And tonight, I, I really would just, I don't have many scriptures because I really wanted to flow in where and share from my heart my experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, experience is good, but you can't base all your theology and all your life on an experience. True? It's experiential when we meet Jesus and we give our life to Jesus and my experience, no one can steal off me because that's my testimony. But God brings us from an experience which is, you know, some people's experience is, man, you should see what happened to me 20 years ago, but I want to know what God's doing with you now. See, if all I ever told you is what happened to me 20 years ago and 10 years ago, that's awesome. But what is God doing now? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. And we're going to touch on a few things there and uh, probably just share it from my 
my perspective in the, in the sense of that you can never exhaust the message about the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that when people get upset about different things, but it's interesting that Jesus, is he not the Son of God? Amen? Was he the Son of God when he was born in a manger? He was. It's interesting that Jesus grew up and never did a miracle until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He had wisdom. He grew up with wisdom and honor before man and God. He grew up, you know, in obedience. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. So he grew up basically like everyone else. Isaiah says there was no beauty about him to attract us to him. But he wasn't, he didn't stand out. He didn't have, like sometimes I, a halo around his head walking around and when he went to school. <laughs> but there was something special about him because he had a bit of wisdom about it. As he grew into his calling, and we know that when Jesus, um, when they went back to Jerusalem for a festival and they lost him for three days, and I always, like I said this a couple of weeks ago, how do you lose the Son of God? <laughs> Like imagine, well, where's Jesus? What you just what, three days to find him? Imagine you're thinking, we just lost the Son of God. <laughs> and they said, mate, they found him in the temple, and he turned and looked at him and says, "What are you looking for me for? I'm going about my father's business." So he had a lot of wisdom. But Jesus didn't do one miracle. There's no recorded miracles that Jesus did until he was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit fell upon him. We know in Acts, and I've shared this many times for those who are regulars here, in Acts, I think Acts 2, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit, went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. He didn't go about doing bad. I remember one guy said to me, Jesus put sickness on me to teach me a lesson. But my Bible says that he went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. You think Jesus needs to put sickness on you? Sickness can come and you can learn a lot and you can come to faith, but good Jesus didn't put it on you. You get this concept that Jesus gets hung on a cross. I'm not going to go through all, but you all know it. Gets whipped, purged on a scourging post. Hung on a cross like a piece. I've shared this a couple months ago. It was unrecognizable. Isaiah says that he was disfigured unto human recognition. In other words, they couldn't look at him. He was a piece of meat on that cross. To take on the sin, shame, and guilt of us all and the diseases that he broke every curse so he could put curses on you to teach you a lesson. Does that make sense to you? Does it make sense to me? So we're talking about Jesus now, he says, if you've seen me, they asked him, show us the Father. He says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, well, I've seen Jesus. And he went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. Sickness is from the devil, amen. People get, oh, oh I didn't do anything wrong. I call you a devil. See, if, unless we grow up and start fighting the good fight of faith and understanding who our enemy is, we won't understand the victory that Jesus did. See, we know our enemy is not people. Our enemy isn't flesh and blood. 
Paul says, your, your, your battle is not flesh and blood. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's principalities and powers. It's rulers of darkness. It's the orchestrated, regimented system of the devil. And we give too much credit to the devil because they say the devil is here, the devil is there. The devil is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. He's not God. But he sets up a system. Paul says, don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant about his tactics. He's got tactics. He's got soldiers. He's got his regiment. He's in order. You know, the kingdom of the devil is more, in more order than the kingdom of God in the church. Not God, but in the church. They know their place. They know their authority. When someone gets saved from witchcraft, there was a lady that used to be a witch doctor. She was, uh, and her husband was a warlock. And when they got saved, when they came to Christ, they said, we can't believe how much power Christians have. They just don't know it. They can't believe how when they got saved and got touched by God, there was, there was people that could not curse. One guy, is a, a guy in America, he was coming out of that lifestyle. He says, the only people who couldn't curse are the ones that had a faith in Christ, not just a faith in Christ, we would curse them, but we'd see blood over them and we couldn't curse them. But they could curse. They could cause havoc. They understood their authority in the spirit realm. They just couldn't believe that Christians didn't understand their authority. And isn't it interesting that the only authority we have is what Jesus gave us. And the only one who can magnify that is the Holy Spirit in us. Are you with me? Because you can, if, you, if you don't know your authority, it's like this. You don't know your legal right in anything, let's say in the world. Someone, I don't know, takes something from your business or does something. You say, oh, well, what can I do? Because hang on, legally they can't do that. Someone can't just go into your bank account and withdraw money. Legally, they can't do that. So what they do, you go get, you find out your legal right. Then you have authority now to go on and do what you have to do to get your money back. True? So if you understand legal rights, you understand covenant blessings, it's the same thing. One's in the natural, one's in the spirit. Most of us don't know our legal right in the spirit. Come on, somebody. We have to understand who, who, who we are, what Christ has given us. It doesn't make you anyone special or me anyone special, but we can operate in the delegated authority in us. Because when Jesus was born, what did the angel say to Mary? Get the mic. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I want to say no, no, no. Hopeless, get out. No. If you're watching Rebs. <laughs> what, did, what, did, what did they say? You're going to have a son and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God be with us. And he came and he was with us. But when he died on the cross and rose again, guess what? He became, he said he baptized us into the Holy Spirit. He became the God that was with us to be the God that was within us. His whole purpose was to come from the Father through man, Mary, mean mankind, to come back into man. Are you with me? He came through Mary as a man and he broke the legal right the devil had on our life. He fulfilled the law that God gave. We've shared this before, but, you know, why would God give us a law we couldn't keep? Ten commandments, who can keep them? Come on, let's... Ten commandments, oh, you can keep them. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus just walked in. Now, you're either Jesus or a liar, but... <laughs> but who can keep them? Nobody. So why would God give us a law... To make us fail 
or we've been set up to fail. That's what someone said once. I said, no, he didn't. He set you up to be saved. He set you up. Mind you, none of us are Jews here, so we went under that covenant. People like to get the two mixed up. That covenant was for the Jews. Now, am I saying the Ten Commandments are wrong and not for us? No. I'm saying we were never under that covenant. Well, we're under the curse of Adam. So whether they had a blessing of the covenant they could not keep, or whether you're outside the covenant, we're still cursed going to hell. But Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law and the curse of Adam. Amen. He came as Adam, fulfilled the law in the flesh, died on the cross, and then he came, the God within us. He says, I'll come back. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is within you. What we don't really understand is that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the... Where's God the Holy Spirit live now? In you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. This is very interesting. God, when, when, when Moses... When, if you look back through the Old Testament, God always had to use men. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Moses... Jeremiah, you got all these different people. And if we just look at Moses now, Moses was interceding on behalf of Israel. So they couldn't hear God, although it was thunder, but Moses could hear his voice. So you, you go talk to him for us. In other words, they need someone to intercede for them. So Moses was the mediator between the people and God. Prophets mediate between the people and God. Then the law came, and then the high priest would be the mediator between the people and God. They couldn't go straight to God. We know that the Holy of Holies was holy because it was called the Holy of Holies. That's why it's holy. <laughs> Only the high priest could go and do the sacrifice once a year. He, was he had an authority to go in there. So there was always someone in between us and God. True? Jesus comes. Now, the Jews are trying to have this relationship with God based on the law, and they were perverting the law, and we've been through all that. But Jesus comes and says, you think you know God? Through the law, man, you've perverted the law. You've put bondages. And we shared a couple of weeks ago about how the widows, they were extorting the widows. You know, say, oh, the widow gave two mites and, and those rich gave out of their abundance. I'll tell you, this widow gave more than them. And you read it in its own setting, you think, okay, well, Jesus is saying we better do like the widow. But he was actually saying, who told this woman she had to give her livelihood? And the next thing he says, you're going to go and devour a house. You're going to go steal a house. You put it in context, the Holy Spirit will show you. Is it, do we give sacrificially? Yeah, but we don't get manipulated to give. And that's what they were doing. And he said, the, the law, you've put bondages on people for the law. So they had this relationship with God through the law. The Jews were married to God through the law. If you look at a lot of the typology, they talk about that. And Jesus was saying, but if someone dies, a person's married and someone dies, they're free to marry another. And he was actually saying that, you're married to God through the law, but when the law dies, because I go into the cross, then you can marry God through me, through grace. There's a law and grace. The law was only a schoolmaster. The law was only a signpost. The law was only to show you that you're a sinner and you need a saviour. That's why you had sacrifices. So they were having a relationship with God. There was always a mediator involved. We comes, he comes to Jesus and, and in Timothy he says, there's one God. And one mediator between God and man, and that man is Christ Jesus, who laid down his life as a ransom. We have a mediator today. His name is Jesus, amen? But what he did, the mediator, he took on the flesh man, the Adam race, killed him on the cross, and was raised from the dead, gave us his spirit 
So now we are born of him. We were born of our parents, which is Adam, mankind, sin. Now we come and born of God. Are you with me? Now God's spirit lives in us. And now who intercedes on our behalf? Jesus. Why? He paid the ultimate price. So we have an intercessor. His name is Jesus. But he didn't leave us as orphans. The Jews tried to have a relationship with God without Jesus. And now we're trying to have a relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit was sent for a reason. And we're going to touch on this a little bit now. I'm jumping the gun. In the book of Acts, when Pentecost happened, Joel, uh, uh, Peter jumps up. Peter, five minutes ago, was scared. St. Peter was, close the doors. They're all together. They were scared of the Jews. Holy Spirit falls on them. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. Everyone thinks they're drunk. Then Peter stands up in front of 3,000 religious Jews and starts to speak and prophesy. And he says this. But he quotes it from Joel. If, you don't, if you're not familiar, let's go to Joel. And then we'll go to the Acts. Joel 2.28. This is in the Old Testament, guys. Okay, watch my step. This is the Old Testament, guys. I didn't do it on purpose either, Mary. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And also on my men's servants and my maid servants. Just make, if you've got a Bible, highlight that. And I will pour out my spirit on the, in those days. And I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall turn into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that. Now, this is a beautiful thing. Listen to me. Online, listen to me. There's no other name under heaven that you can call on to be saved. It's a good place to say amen. Look what he says here. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. This is Joel. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to show you something. The minute the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, a fisherman, he starts to get a revelation. I'm pretty sure Peter was a Jew. He went to the synagogue, but wouldn't it... I wouldn't perceive that Peter was a scholar. If it was Paul, you'd say Paul knows it back to front. Peter, but the Holy Spirit shows him something. Look what he says. This is after they're accused of being drunk because they're speaking in tongues and they can hear them speaking in their, the things of God in their own language. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. When Jesus died and rose again, nothing happened. No church was built. No one got saved. No one got healed. No one... Nothing. He said, wait for the promise to come. The promise from my father that I spoke about. Not many days now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. That happened on Pentecost. There was 120 in the upper room. Jesus appeared to 500. The Bible says. There was only 120 in the upper room. And it was on the feast of Pentecost in the Jewish feast. And look, it says here, Peter stands up after all that and says, it shall come to pass in the last days says God, that I will pour my spirit on the all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men shall see visions, all men dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my 
maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And whoever shall come to pass, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Stop there. He's talking to people that know that Jesus did miracles. He says he did miracles, he did signs and wonders in your midst, and you know this. Is he talking after the fact? Is he writing this 10,000 years later or 300 years later? No, he's writing this to people that were there and saw Jesus. And now he's trying to show them here by a prophetic word. He just prophesied Joel's prophecy. He just told them, he says, now people argue with me all the time about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain something. There's different thoughts about it. Let me explain something. If it was only for those days, and only just for the disciples, that prophecy says men and women. Men, women weren't disciples back then. Maid servants and men servants were the lower class. Sons and daughters, you could argue the sons of the faith and daughters of the faith, and, but maid servants, in other words, it's for all people here and for afar, he goes on to say it. In other words, if it was just for the disciples, how come women are doing it? Because back then, women had no say. So this was for everybody that believes on the name of the Lord. It's something that the devil has robbed off the church, robbed off people because of religious thinking. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. I don't think I'd be still here doing this now if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, I guarantee I wouldn't be here. I might be saved going to heaven, but I would not be doing what I'm doing. I'm going to share a bit later how the Holy Spirit rebuked me. And it wasn't a nice rebuke. But the Holy Spirit is there for a reason. It's... He says here that you saw the miracles of God. Then he goes on to preach. I'm not going to go through the whole lot. He goes on to tell them that you crucified this Jesus, but God raised from the dead. And they were cut to heart. They go, what must we do? He goes, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father Son for the remission of sin. See, only the Holy Spirit can bring anointing like that to preach. This is a bloke that was scared out of his mind, hiding behind doors. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, guess what? He stood up in front of the most religious people, which are the hardest people to preach to and told them straight to their face. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit, amen? You can't walk this walk without the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can love Jesus all you want, and you can and go into heaven. Praise God. But who wants just to get by? Who wants to just to tread? Who wants to just to sit in your little home until Jesus comes back? I'm not. <laughs> what are you laughing at? He says, fight the good fight of faith. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail. When I build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail. I've shared this before. When, my first, when I first got saved, I always thought the gates of hell won't prevail. In other words, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I used to think, thank God, the gates of hell, like gates are holding hell back and they're not going to touch us. And one day the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. I'm called you to kick the gates of in and go into hell and get people out. I said, well, that's a bit different. That's a bit scary, Lord. <laughs> but that's what he means. Because he wants us, the gospel of grace, the gospel of peace, the gospel of joy, to go into dark places and bring people out. But you're not going to do it with your own programs, your own strength. You're going to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's get to Genesis 1-4. I want to explain something. Just, 
This might be simple to people, and you've heard this a thousand times, but I just feel led that we need to go back and eat so drink some of the milk, the pure milk of the word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was form, without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Stop. And he saw the light, and it was good. Jump to John chapter 16. My nephew asked me the other day about, you know, there's someone arguing about how can Jesus be God and God dies. And how, that means God died and not understanding the Trinity. And it's not an easy thing to explain. I want to show you that we just saw up there, he said, God said, let there be light. And, but we saw the Holy Spirit hovering over the deep waters. So in the Old Testament, we see Elohim, God the Father. We see let there be light, the Word, which is the Logos Word, which is Jesus. The Word became flesh, and we see the Holy Spirit hovering. You see the Trinity right there. Elohim is, pl is plural, not singular. So God speaks, the, and the Holy Spirit manifests. Here, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, and in, the, in that day you will ask me nothing, but most surely I'll say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. What he's actually trying to say here is that nothing's changed from creation. The Father wills it, the, Holy, uh, the Father wants it, he speaks it, Jesus manifests it, and the Holy Spirit brings it to life. Here it's the same. We ask the Father, Elohim, we ask the Father in my name, the Word, and who brings the manifestation? The Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Nothing's changed from creation. What do we change it? But we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the manifester of things. Now, is the Holy Spirit God? He is. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, God, is co-equal with Christ and the, the Word and the Father Elohim. They're co-equal. If they stood face to face, nose to nose, they'd be equal, but they're all different. If the Holy Spirit is God and God and he's hovering over the deep water, do you think the Holy Spirit knew that there was light going to have to come? But did he move? He didn't move until the Word was spoken. Holy Spirit's not going to move into your world until you start speaking. See, everyone thinks, well, I've got the Holy Spirit now. He's going to do all the work for me. No, that's not what the Bible says. You've got the Holy Spirit. There's some things you can't do in your own strength, but you have to co-labor with him. The Bible says we're co-laborers with Christ, but the Holy Spirit will bring things up. He'll teach you things. He'll show you things. He'll guide you things. But you have to do something. Not to get it, but to work with him in that situation. Because if you don't, here in, in, in Acts, the boys were talking, the, the disciples were talking, I didn't give this to the girls, but Acts 15, 28, and to AJ. There's no male and female in Christ, relax. I was referring to Antoine. Anyway, he says, it seemed good to us not to put any more burdens on you and to the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit not to put burdens on you. In other words, what relationship did they have to say, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Paul, I want to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, I forbid you to go. What kind of relationship did he have that the Holy Spirit would forbid him to go? He didn't tell him why. He says, he's not going. But the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He could have argued. No, there was a reason. So when we start co-laboring with the Holy Spirit, we start to understand him. I wrote these points down. Someone said to me, how do you co-labor with the Holy Spirit? Or how do you co-labor with Jesus? How do I become a co-laborer? I'll tell you how obedience first thing is obey him 
Second thing, trust him. And third thing, fellowship with him. See, those three things, obey him. You can say you're a Christian to the cows come home, but if you don't obey nothing, someone say, oh, I don't hear from God. Okay, what's the word say? Oh, I can't do that. I want to hear from God. No, no. If you can't obey the written word, you're never going to obey the rhema word. Everyone wants lightning bolts and, and angels dancing and doing the dubki on the old and they want to see Jesus, Mary, Joseph. They want to do all that. But you're not going to see that and do that if you don't understand his word. <laughs> the co-laboring with him is like husband and wife. They're different. But they co-labor to raise children, to live their life. They co-labor with one another. But when the Holy Spirit leads you, because what he does, he comes in, empowers you, then he starts to show you his word, then he starts to deal with the rubbish in our life. This is the sticking point. When God starts to bring things up in your heart, do you allow him to deal with it? Do you work with him? Because sometimes I think, oh, God, you showed me something about myself. I said, yeah. So what did you do about it? Nothing. God's been on my case to get baptized. How many years? Ten years. You get what I'm trying to say? But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power, and then you be my witnesses. So we, we stop there, but the, a lot of the word says the Holy Spirit comes to pray and intercede for you because you don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit comes to enlighten you because we don't know we're in darkness. The Holy Spirit says come and show you truth because he guides you into all truth. Sometimes the truth is about yourself. Remember once the Lord, I was sharing this testimony when I was young and there was a bit of an issue where sometimes I'd be waiting for my dad to go to football. I love football. I was about nine or ten years old and he never come. And then I'd sit down the side of the road crying and then this happened many times. And I remember sometimes my coaches, if we lived, if we lived close to the field, my coach, he realised that I'm not, I'm not there half an hour before the game. I'm not coming. He'd come and pick me up and I'd share the testimony that you know, that's like God. God never leaves you on the side. No matter if someone lets you down, no matter what, God will always come and get you. And I started sharing about my football coaches and, and it, was, it was like a, I was sharing how God healed me as a young boy growing up and, and how God became my father. And, and then I was sharing that. With, and one day I was sharing the testimony in, in the way that I described it. And mid-sentence, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, can you stop sharing that testimony? Like, I'm talking and I'm sharing and I'm listening to the, and I'm out of nowhere. He says, because if you weren't a good, good football player, they wouldn't have picked you up. Just stood there and just stared. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I'll go get them all, whether they're good or bad. And yes, God did a healing in my heart, but that became an idol, that testimony. And in mid-sentence, he said, okay, they picked you up, and you're bragging how they picked you up. But if you weren't a good football player, no one would have come and got you. said the Holy Spirit is no respecter of person amen and I've got a bigger healing from that knowing that he loves us all no matter where we've been no matter what we've done that was a moment I was sharing in the midst of that obey to obey his word to obey instructions remember a guy saying that their church they come in and go I can't hear from God I read I can't hear from God okay sit on the chair and start praying don't do nothing else they plan your future just sit there and pray after a few months, he goes, oh, I've got a problem. He goes, what, you still can't hear from God? He goes, no, I can hear from him. So what's the problem? He goes, I don't like what he's saying to me. <laughs> One minute, I can't hear from God now. He's hearing from God. And he goes, what? Because it's all about what he needs to change. What altars have to fall down. What, what things he had to give up. Um, you know, what, 
forgiveness you had to forgive and, 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 and things like that. So we all want the blessings. We want God to tell us we're going to go here, we're going to do that. And yeah, hallelujah. So obey the word and obey him. Trust him. Trust him when he tells you to do something. Trust him when he, when he gets you to step out of the boat and walk on water. Trust him. Be courageous knowing that he's not going to let you down. Trust is a big thing. I believe the biggest problem is trust. I have faith. But faith has belief and trust. Because if I don't trust you, I have no faith in you. And the third thing is fellowship with him. Spend time with him. Jesus is my best friend. There's times where I feel his presence as my best friend. And there's times where I bow my knee before him because he's a king. He manifests himself. It's sad that you go through life as a believer and not have those experiences with the Lord. Because he wants to. See, people think, well, you've got to fight this, you've got to pray harder. No, no, you've just got to be willing to be obedient and fall on, fall on your face before him. He'll take you to places. He'll, 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 there's things in your life you're carrying that he can wipe out in three seconds, but you have to let go of them. I did a, did a message once years ago where I was standing and no one knew that I had like bags of luggage behind me. And I had them like taped up. I'm preaching, yeah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. And I walk and all these luggage, I'm dragging them with me. It's like I'm, I'm dragging my luggage, my past with me everywhere I go. Outwardly, I say I'm free, but inwardly I was bound. Unless the Holy Spirit cuts them off, I'm dragging old luggage with me everywhere. It's one thing to carry the luggage, but when they start, the devil starts to open the luggage, you start seeing what's inside. We're not trying to redeem what's inside. We're trying to cut them off. So we don't, we've got this thing where I need to be, um, I don't want to say this the wrong way. We need to justify our actions and our personalities and where we've come from and this is who we are. And No, no, no. We're supposed to die to self. I'm not here to heal little Tony anymore. Tony has to die. I'm great. I've got healing. But the only way I can get healed is if Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. If I'm trying to fix up old Tony, old Tony has to die. Old things have passed away. Why do I keep bringing them back up? That's not me anymore. Even in the natural, your skin. How many layers of skin? Any doctors here? How many? Six. And every day you're shedding skin. So all that dust, ladies, is oil of your skin. Just to help you out a bit. So even in your natural body, the same skin you had today is not the same skin you got next month. You're changing, you're, 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 you're shedding. But in the Spirit, we need to understand who we are in Christ, and the only one who can illuminate that is the Holy Spirit. But you have to be willing. The biggest obstacle, the greatest prayer, the fastest prayer God will ever answer is, Lord, change me. When people receive the Holy Spirit, they start getting a word for everyone else. But when you ask them, what's the Lord saying to you? I don't know. So God's giving you a word for everyone else, but you don't know what's happening with you. No, no, he deals with you first. He deals with us first. It's interesting when in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Interesting. Remember all the parables about there's a treasure in the field. God, a farmer sows seed on the on the on soil. This all got to do with us. See, we have the treasure that he went and bought. He loved us so much he bought the whole field. 
Think of it this way. Jesus comes. The Jews are still waiting for a Messiah. They think they're the only ones that he's coming for. Jesus comes. They don't recognize him. Jesus comes not just for the Jews, but for the whole world because he saw a treasure. So he, what he did, he bought the whole field by paying the price for everyone. We are his field. We are his building. Where's the Holy Spirit live again? In where? We are the temple of? Are you a temple? You are God's building. He's not sitting in a building waiting for people to come. You are. You manifest his presence. Everywhere you go, guess who walks in the door with you? The Holy Spirit. God walks in the door with you. In the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, when we understand who's living, see, he's no longer the God that's with us. He's the God that's within us. His whole purpose was to come within us. His whole purpose was to redeem us and bring us back to our rightful place, our legal right. And while we're in this suit, this body, we will struggle. We will fall. Because that's why he says kill it. Because it can't be redeemed until you get a glorified body. But in your inner man, it's, per it's perfect because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? The Holy Spirit's job is to bring the truth of that to you. And it's interesting. The Old Testament saints were left with lords. The Old Testament saints were left with prophets and high priests and, and judges and all that. Patriarchs. But Jesus didn't leave us with any of that. He didn't leave us with just laws and rules and regulations. He didn't even leave us with an angel. He left us with the Holy Spirit. He left us with the great Holy Spirit that manifested all things before creation, that nothing goes without him. He lives inside you. How about talking to him? How about turning inwardly and saying, look, Holy Spirit, what are we doing today? Holy Spirit, what's my journey today? You see, the biggest obstacle of your walk is looking at somebody else's walk. I can get encouraged. See, I'm a man that loves meeting people that, that are doing stuff for God. Like, I want to sit with people that are doing things for God that I have never done or are doing things that I want to do. Why? I get encouraged with faith. I get around people that know, doesn't mean that they know more than me. I could know more than someone and don't operate. A theologian knows more than an evangelist. But evangelists are healing the sick and raising the dead, and that theologian is just teaching people in the university. We, they're both needed, but I want to hang around people with faith. I want to be challenged. I want to be convicted that this person is doing. Every time I see old mission, missionary friends, I go, man, I'm complaining about gas prices, and they're starving, and they're, all they do is preach the gospel every week in Bangladesh or in Brazil or in, 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 in the Philippines. And I go to myself, what am I complaining about? So I get around people that are that serving God and, and people that have been bashed and nearly left for dead and got sick under demonic attack and, then, and, and made it through. And, and they don't cry about what they've been through. They just go, praise God, God delivered me. And they keep walking. It's like the spirit of Paul, left for dead on the side, gets up, dusts himself off and walks back in. Are you mad? And we get upset when someone looks at us the wrong way. So we need to understand that don't look at someone else's walk. You can be encouraged by someone else's walk, but this is your walk. See, God's waiting for you to rise up and do something for him. He's waiting for you to co-labor with the Holy Spirit because you're walking past people dying and going to hell every day. I used to think, I need to do something. You know, I don't hold that responsibility anymore. But what I do say is the one that God wants me to talk to and I don't, that's the problem. I go to work, I work for everyone every day, I can't. 
I can, and I do, but I shouldn't. But but I can't save the whole job site. Well, we try, but we don't. We're, but what I do know is that there might be one in there that God wants me to talk to. Just that one. That's the sad one if I miss out. I'm not obedient. That's the sad one. I shared this story once when I was on a job site and the guy stuffed my whole job off. I just wanted to kick him off. And as I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit says, talk to him. I turn around and he mentioned something. And next thing you know, I end up praying with him in the toilet. And he said to me, I was going to commit suicide tonight. And the reason why he stuffed my job up was he was thinking about how he was going to do it all day. You laughed. And I'm angry with you. I'm going to kick him off and I want to go home. And, and then just that split second when he mentioned something about, he said something about God or church or something, and I stopped and the Holy Spirit says, talk to him. Just like that. Because I wasn't listening. I was angry. I want to kick him off. He was the second guy that wrecked the job. It was a tiling job. I stopped, turned. Next thing you know, we're bowing down in the toilet, praying for him. He shared some things with me. I, I felt, and he said, I was, he actually said, was, I was either going to kill myself or my, or my ex-wife. Someone was dying tonight. And he was contemplating that all day. The devil left him that day on a job site. I was so happy. I didn't, didn't care about the job anymore. It's that one. And you need the Holy Spirit for that. Amen? We can all, and I'll do it myself, we get so consumed with the things of this world and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And he wants, because what we want, we want the excitement. We don't want to deal with the, the rubbish in our hearts. Because he'll deal with the rubbish in our hearts. Amen? Co-laboring with the Holy Spirit is essential. When I uh, often think about the story about, some people believe that once I receive the Holy Spirit, I think I shared this, he does all the work for me when it comes to sanctification. That's not true. You co-labor with him. And as I said, obey him, trust him, and fellowship with him. The other thing is that you need to understand is you need to have a heart of surrender. That's the hardest thing in the Western world. See, we want to be right. I want to be right. But are we willing to surrender for a cause? Surrender to him. In other words, let's say I'm with someone and they're getting on my nerves. And I want to have a blue with this person. Or I want to have an argument with this person. Am I willing to surrender my will to his will just so that person can see the light of the gospel? Because I can win an argument we don't win a fight, we're in an argument, and not win his soul. And he, God wants us to win his soul. I'm not saying you're, you get pushed around, battered around, but heart of surrender means, am I willing to surrender? And we've been talking about accountability. How I, I thank God that I grew up with, I was submitted and accountable to all elders and, 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 and pastors. And, and even though in times I think, man, man, I, I don't want this person. And the Holy Spirit's moving in my meetings and they're not moving in their meetings. And I have all these things, but the Holy Spirit told me that they have been before me. And if I'm not willing to submit to someone that I can see, I'll never submit to someone who I can't see. And I'm not saying go and submit to every Tom, Dick and Harry. All I'm saying is accountability is very important for all of us so we can grow in the things. God doesn't work outside of that. I love the gifts of the Spirit, you know, um, uh, discerning of spirits and, and um, a word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and and you know miracles and healings and all that they all and everyone loves that but go back one little chapter and it says 
the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. Then it goes down all the gifts of the Spirit. Why? It's under submission, under the fivefold, under the headship of Jesus. Not for car park prophecies. Someone asks me, well, does that mean we can't? No, no, I'm not saying you can't talk to someone and have a coffee and share a word and have a word from them. That's not what we're talking about. But when you start to have your own little race outside God's covenant, you're in big trouble. And listen to me. I'm telling you now, I've seen it. I've seen people get taken out and get destroyed by the enemy because they don't come under covering. There's an there's a order in God. And you need to come under order because when everything is flowing, remember, these, I think I shared this, these friends of ours, we had a, our meeting, these girls were on fire for the Lord. They were seeing dreams and visions and laying hands and casting out devils. They were doing everything. So they thought they had an authority of their own, which they did. They had an authority. And then they went out somewhere, I think it was in Bondi, and they come and they tell us the story that on the, the following week. They went out to all these clairvoyants, and they thought, you know what, we're going to cast out devils out of them. We're going to do all this. And they went in there trying to work in their authority, thinking that they were doing God a favor. And all, all they got was attacked, just like the sons of the skiba. They went home. One didn't know where she couldn't drive. They got attacked all night until they came and repented. And they said, you know what? You stepped out of your, your sphere of influence. You stepped out of your authority. You were showing off. You weren't doing nothing for the kingdom. Did they have authority? Absolutely. But when you step out of your authority and you start bringing people unto yourself, that's great. Have time. But listen to me. You're no authority. God works in order. And I've seen people get taken out and deceived to the point where they're preaching false doctrine today. Someone that preached the truth and got people saved now don't believe what they believe anymore. Why? The devil got into it. I'll show you in Scripture all day long. And it's about accountable and it's about being protected. Amen? I don't want to put aside what you're doing. If God's working in your life, that's awesome. But make it under submission, under Christ and under headship and his authority. Because one thing becomes, you become an idol to other people. Amen? I've seen it too many times. Mind you, both those girls now are out of the church and out of the ministries. I'm not saying they're living a bad life. I'm just saying they're out. And they had an amazing calling on their life because they want to do it their way, not God's way. If we do it God's way, it might take longer to get to where we want to go, but we'll get there solid, strong, and under his authority. See, the first thing that people don't realize, the first thing the Holy Spirit does when he comes upon you, deals with you. Dealt with me. Remember sharing, uh, I don't know if I should share it here. Anyway, I'll share it. I had a bit to say about a certain preacher in my mind, not outwardly. So there was something in my heart I was judging. And we happened to go to that certain preacher's ministry after a lot of headache. He was a well-known preacher. And I'm sitting at a, it was in like a, a sports stadium, Sydney sports stadium. It was like a, a basketball arena. So you got chairs going down like this. And we're sitting on the rail. So what was down is the, the platform. So picture a basketball stadium. So we're using one half of it. And I'm sitting on the rail and, and the minister's ministering and praying for the sick and all, all these things are happening. And I, I wasn't against it. I was quite happy. And then, but there was something going on, and I don't know exactly what happened, but I found out later what happened was towards the end of the service, I had two people sitting next to me, and they were the young, and they wanted to pray for all the young adults. So I said, Go. So there was no one sitting next to me now, so they've gone to get prayer. All of a sudden, as they start praying, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach. Anyone can describe it. And then, who's, who's been punched in the stomach? 
Maybe I mean, come on, you folks have got into fights. You know what it's like. Don't lie. David, come on. He's going to punch you in the stomach. I went, oh. And there was two other guys. So my two seats were empty. These other two seats. Mind you, now let me just backtrack. We invited someone to come. I was doing a job for a, we invited his neighbor. His neighbor said, it's nothing weird, is it? He goes, no, no, not weird. Now they're sitting over there watching me go, oh, oh, oh. Thinking, and my, my client is standing with him, not looking at his neighbor. He's just looking like that. He didn't want to look at his neighbor. <laughs> so I'm feeling this, someone, I literally feel like someone's punching me in the stomach. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I felt this whack. There wasn't no one there. It was, all I can describe was someone's roughing me up. I didn't think it was demonic, but I just didn't know what it was at the time. And I went like this, and I just about, I thought I was going to fall off the rail. And all of a sudden, the two boys grabbed me. And then all of a sudden, I ended up falling upwards. I ended up in the seat behind me. Upside down, out. I was out. I went to open my eyes. I'm, I'm upside down, legs in the air. I'm thinking, what the? And people are praying for me. I got up. I'm looking around, and I happened to notice one of my friends, and he's standing going, like, I'm supposed to be the pastor. And they had to literally carry me out. Like, I, I could walk, but I was, what's going on? So I walked out. Now, my, my client's there with his, with his neighbor, <laughs> and he's not looking at him. I think, this guy's lost the plot. And I go home, and what happened? What happened? Oh, God done something miracle in me. What is it? I don't know. I got home, and it was on my mind for three, four days. I thought, what was that? Because I knew it wasn't demonic, because I've had demonic attacks come against me. And, I, and I've casted out demons where they've been really... This wasn't like that, but it was something different. I just couldn't explain it. So this went on for a bit. And it just so happened one day, I'm in the backyard, and um, what was, I was putting the washing out for my wife. That's my good husband, everyone. So got, because, the, because the clothesline was broken, she couldn't reach it. Anyway, that's why... Story, and I'm, I'm hanging the towels out, and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm pondering. I said, Lord, just my exact words, Lord, what was that? And I can, as how you can hear my voice, I heard him say, You judged him, and I judged you. I had my hands like that, sorry, <laughs> exact words. And all I heard was, Whatever he does is none of your concern, you keep your eyes on me. Can I, and I repented, you know, can I tell you? We, were, we had a group in Parramatta at the time and was going for six months and everything was going good. After that encounter, because I repented, Holy Spirit moved through that meeting and it grew from six people to 100 people. And from that, God allowed us to, got me, allowed me to go to America and we met Pastor Celio. And from that, Pastor Celio came and we did our conferences here and he took us to Brazil and we preached on the Amazon jungle all because of one act of obedience from the Holy Spirit. I believe that's all connected. But if I had said, nah, 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 I would have been, because he wasn't my concern, but I was coming against the anointing of God without any, in other words, I was coming out of my authority, having a bit to say and having a bit to think. A lot of it was in my heart, not publicly, but God knows our heart. So I had to come and submit myself, and repent, because what he does, what this guy does, is none of my concern. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about me. And I've got a lot of grace for people that fall. Why? Because I could fall one day. I could make a mistake. And the, me the measure that I measure will be measured back unto me. Amen? Don't go and kill someone and, and chop them down when they fail. Go and lift them up. Because one day, if you fall, you want the same 
Whatever you measured unto them will be measured back unto you. That's the law of the Lord. Amen? That's the grace of God. Amen? This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. So all the teaching that Reverend's been teaching about your heart and about the kingdom of God and about envy and about we go through the heart and all the stuff that we've been teaching about the blood, all this has to come to, it's a lot of information, a lot of word, but you know, if you sit quietly with the Lord, he'll teach you. And he won't go outside his word. And he'll get you to places in your, in your walk. Let me tell you something. If, if, you, if you understand one thing, understand this. God's got everything under control. Forget what you say on the media. Forget what you see in the world. God's got everything under control. He's just waiting for his people to come into alignment with the way he thinks. He's waiting for his people to come and have the mind of Christ and to submit to Christ and his word and understand your authority in Christ. Because you know what? When you understand your authority and you can speak truth, guess what? Holy Spirit has to move. He can't not but move because you know the word. You know the word. Not know the word, you know the word. Come on. You know the word. The word is powerful, but the word and the spirit bring life. And it's encouraging to know that no matter how good or bad I am, no matter how hard I pray or don't pray, you know, if I stand faithful, listen, stand faithful in him and trust him, he'll move through your life. Amen. He'll get you through any disaster. Any disaster. I can testify to that. And in closing, the Holy Spirit doesn't glorify in himself. He only glorifies in Jesus. He wasn't sent to be your Lord. He was sent to bring Jesus' lordship to you. Even though we honor him and worship him, the Holy Spirit is saying, look at Jesus. Jesus says, look at the Father. The Father says, look at my son. Jesus says, get powered by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. Why? They're co-equal. They're not, they're not trying to get your attention. They're trying to empower you to understand who you are in him and let the Holy Spirit empower you because when he brings you to his worship, see, the quicker you know how to worship him in your heart, I'm not talking about singing, your heart can go straight into worship. The quicker you can get over to your destiny. The quicker he will train you up in the ways of the things of the kingdom. Amen? And I love this. He has, he's, he, he's the spirit of truth, and he'll guide you into all truth. He won't always just give it to you, but he'll get you by the hand and guide you to it. If you can find something, it's yours. If I give you something, there's no value in it. If you find it, it's yours. It's up to you to be hungry. But see, if you're not hungry and you're not, if you're not in love with him to find out, see, every day I ask the Lord, show me something new. He sometimes will, and sometimes say, learn what I told you the other day. But either way, he's speaking. He's speaking more than we're listening. That's the truth. But you need to shut some voices down and, and, and knock down some altars. When I mean by altars, some of the old ways that ever you're thinking needs to die. And understand who he is. I've been in meetings where God's throwing people around the room, healing people, and all that. But you know what? I sit here and say, that's an amazing move of the Spirit. But you know what? Where are they today? Because he wants to sustain us. He wants to make us solid in these last days. And when we do that, when we understand what he does, because he wants to show us the glory of the Lord, amen? It's not just about, oh, I'm always dying to something. I'm always fasting to something. I'm always, it's always like, I'm a, no, no, no. But every time something dies in you, something else lives. That's the beauty. Why do you think dying to this, dying to that? Oh, I've got no life. 
I don't want to smile anymore. But now I realize every time I die to myself, Christ lives in me. Every time I die to something, something else grows in me. And then we need to change what we say. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because some days I don't know how to pray. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, there's words come out of my mouth because he's praying through me. That's why praying in the Spirit is very important. I don't know how to pray. My mind gets in the way. So I pray in the Spirit. Why? Because my spirit prays. My mind is not fruitful. He's the great teacher. So he says, okay, so the Holy Spirit prays through you so God can hear it and God gives it back to you. Think, why would God do that? Why would God give me a prayer language through the Holy Spirit? So if God's praying through me so God can hear it, but God already knows it, so why did he give me the Holy Spirit to pray through me if he already knows it? Well, let me ask you a question. If God set a law that we could not keep, so why would he give you a law that you could not keep and send his son to die for a law that he gave you? Don't give us the law. Let's leave Jesus in heaven. But Jesus knows. God knows the best. Why does he do that? He wants to bypass your natural mind so the Holy Spirit can encourage you and pray for you. That's God now speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is ringing. Does that make sense? Said, well, what would you do that for? Because, well, why would Jesus come and die for a law that his father gave? God wants us to bring us back to that place of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let the throne room talk to us. Let's get our frequency back to the Father. Let's get our opinions out of the way and say, Lord, what do you want? I guarantee you, our life's going to be a lot easier. We're always going to go through obstacles. They say, before, when you overcome one hurdle, you've got another one coming. You go over one, get over one hill and valley, you've got another valley, hills and valleys. But hey, let's go through it with him. And you wouldn't even know what you're going through. Why? Because he's with you. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no, for you are with me. Even if I walk through death, even if I walk through pain, if I walk through, you know what, he's with me. We need to come into alignment with him, amen. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your comforter. He's your helper. Get to know him. If you do nothing else from now to Christmas, because here comes the festive season, you know, get to know him. He's in the car when you drive. Talk to him. Open your mouth. Praise him. Get your focus off the world and get your focus back on him, amen. All right, stand. It's a simple one. I felt in my heart the profound that we understand the, 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 the milk of his word, the pure milk. You know, it's interesting where Christ himself, the, oh, we just sang it, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. All things were created through him. There was nothing that was created that wasn't created. And in him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. This is Jesus we're talking about. And him in the body suit of a man, in the form of Adam, he still needed the Holy Spirit. If he needs the Holy Spirit, how much, how much more we? Come on. He understood that everything he told his disciples, they would never comprehend it until the Holy Spirit would come. And it starts with you. It starts with repentance. And it starts with acceptance. Lord, I repent and I accept what you have for me from the Holy Spirit. 
Because he's the one that's going to illuminate your hearts to know Jesus. You can never understand his word. You can never understand who Christ really is in you without the Holy Spirit. Let's treat him with a bit more honor, a bit more reverence. So we can understand who we are. I often say the Holy Spirit searches the, the Bible says, but let me say it this way. He searches the deep things of heart, even the deep things of God, and reveals them to your heart. See, your spirit now, if, you're, if you call Jesus Lord and you've been born again and you've been washed by his blood and you're born from above, if you, that means your spirit now is illuminated and now God's spirit can talk. But before that, he can't talk to you. He can only show you. But now he can download and deposit in your spirit. The Bible says, we bear witness with the spirit of God. Or the spirit of God bear witness with our spirit. Why? It's from spirit to spirit. And whatever happens in the spirit overflows into your soul and then the flesh has to obey. It's pretty simple. But there's a process that God wants us to go through. So I encourage you, if you, leave, if you learn nothing else, learn this. The Holy Spirit is in love with you and wants to show you Jesus. Doesn't show you all, all these revelations. Great. But if, no, if every revelation you get doesn't point back to Christ, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Like this little analogy. A spirit is empowering your life. It's either the Holy Spirit or the demonic spirit. But they empower your life. You're a spirit. See, some people say, oh, I'm a human having a, an ex supernatural experience. No, you're not. You're a supernatural spirit having a human experience. You were first, man was first spirit, then soul, then flesh. But we want to have a fleshly idea. We want, to, we want our natural to line up. No, no, no. Your spirit has to be renewed. Your mind has to be renewed. Then your flesh comes into order. Amen? You're a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. You're not a body with a soul that lives in the spirit. And Jesus came to deal with the spirit, came as a man, died on a cross for what man did wrong, renewed our spirit, saved our soul, and empowered us by the Holy Spirit in the natural. Pretty simple. Stop bucking against the Holy Spirit. Stop looking for the easy way out. Because sometimes your calling is not easy. But it's awesome. It's awesome. I've cried many nights with the Holy Spirit. And I've laughed many nights with the Holy Spirit. And there's days where I feel like, where are you? I know he's there, but where are you? Because I've been consumed by the things of the world, work, family. We, the Bible says the cares, but you know what? It's easily, you know what the best thing about it? You can just turn around and get straight back. Repentance just means to turn. That's all it means. You can say sorry and still sin. But when I repent, I stop thinking that way and I turn back. I can come out of a dirty pit and still go back into the throne because of the blood. He can, he's faithful and just to forgive all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the thing is, confess, repent, come to him, and he'll wash you clean. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, this is pretty simple. If you're listening online, bow your hearts to him. Repent. We read earlier, he says, repent for the remission of sins. Now, let the disease of sin go.
go into remission through the blood of Jesus. And you can be born from above, born of his spirit. You have to be born by his spirit. You have to be baptized and empowered by his spirit. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight. They may understand the truth of your word, your spirit, the great Holy Spirit. That we, can, we are allowed to co-labor with him. We are God's workmanship. We are God's field. We are God's building. We thank you, Father, that you loved us. Jesus loved us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Lift up holy hands to you, Lord. And I thank you. Thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy. Lord, I command a blessing upon every person here that they may understand that Christ is in control and he's got us in the palm of his hand. That we are now going to forge through whatever we're going through and touch the hem of his garment. That we can be healed. We give you praise and we give you thanks. We love you, Jesus. We love you. You're the love of our souls. We give you praise and we give you all the honor. We thank you, Holy Spirit. For those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray for you. Just in your, just where you are now, just lift up your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, show me truth. Your word says that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will give it to you. Baptize me now. Immerse me in your love and mercy by the power of your Holy Spirit. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Fill these people, Lord. Fill them to overflow. I give you praise. I give you all the honor. I give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, be blessed. Thanks for coming. Um, we're on on Sunday, guys. So those who have kids involved in the in the rehearsal, they're rehearsing this Sunday at two thirty. Yes, and the concert's on the eighteenth. Three o'clock. Two thirty-three. Speak to Anna, speak to Rita. Be blessed. Floor's open if you want prayer. Amen.